right, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Sunday night for me, Monday probably, when you listen to this episode. Uh, I am recording this following a Suns-Bucks game that was not really close uh, for significant portions of it uh it w- it was looking like the suns that were were hitting first in the first quarter uh the bucks pull away ultimately becomes a bit of a blowout uh, a lot of concession time there at the end but is a good game the the suns they're up 2-1 in the series but the bucks have another game at home in game 4 and it looked like giannis was unstoppable in this particular game so we will see what happens in the rest of that series. We're going to talk about that game in segment one. Uh, the rest of the episode, we'll be bouncing around to different news and notes. Uh, the Olympics have an update. Uh, I'm going to talk about some of the teams that are in there, as well as some of the things in the qualifying tournaments that happened last week, and some things that happened in the scrimmages, including Caleb Agata uh, of Team Nigeria who's going to be on the Nuggets Summer League roster, so it should be fun. Uh, and then we'll be doing an off-season timeline thing for the Nuggets in Segment 3. Uh, should be good there. But first, this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Make sure to sign up. Use promo code MHS. All new users, they have an opportunity uh, over the over this past weekend, they had an opportunity for UFC 264. Uh, bet $1 on the winning fighter, and you get $264 in uh, free credits on DraftKings, which is just a ton of money. It's a great output. Uh, Dustin Poirier won that particular matchup against Conor McGregor. It was, a, it was good for the first round, and then the second round happened, of course. Uh, but it was uh, it was interesting, and then the Suns-Bucks game was an interesting game to bet on as well. So there are a lot of great opportunities to make some money to bet on DraftKings, and you can absolutely do so. Uh, but you have to sign up and use promo code MHS if you're a new user. That really helps me out, and it really helps out DraftKings to let you know that you're listening to this podcast and that they're doing some great things with us. So make sure to check that out. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Wager pays out in site. Credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. So let's get into Suns-Bucks game three. Uh, the final score of this one ended up being 120 to 100. The Bucks won over the Suns. Uh, 20 point margin is pretty significant. Uh, the Suns, they, I think they were down by 21 points against the Clippers at one point, and then 18 points against the Lakers at one point. But against the Bucks, they were down by a- as many as 22 points, I'm pretty sure. And it felt like the first time they had really faced a lot of adversity in a while. The times when they were down against the Clippers, it really did feel like the Suns were still the better team and that they were going to win. They also didn't have Kawhi Leonard for the Clippers, so it was always going to kind of catch up to them in the end. But the Bucks looked like a really good team, and Giannis looked like the best player in the series in this one. 41 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists, just 1 turnover, 14 of 23 from the field, and 13 of 17 from the line. 
really key indicator right there. Uh, if this was a closer margin, then that free throw disparity would have mattered. Uh, 17 free throws and you made 13. Giannis is shot in the 50s for his free throw percentage for most of these playoffs. So it's a big deal that he was able to get 13 of 17 at the line. Was a leading, uh, was uh, not a leading, but was plus 20 in the plus minus. So in a 20 point margin, it's pretty good. You understand that you have to survive the minutes without him. The Bucks were able to do so. Uh, they only had, uh, they were net neutral in the minutes with Giannis off the floor. But Giannis is going to play most of those minutes, and as long as he's out there for 38 to 42 minutes or so, he's going to give the Bucks a chance. Uh, this was the first time I thought that the Suns didn't really get all of the mid-range shots and all of the three-point shots that they were hoping for. Uh, Chris Paul was still making some incredible looks, don't get me wrong. And DeAndre Ayton, not, a lot, not enough can be said of DeAndre Ayton, who... Got into foul trouble this game. Uh, five personal fouls. Was basically fouled out of the game by his own coach, Monty Williams, with four uh, in the middle of the third quarter. But I thought it was just very interesting to see how good he was and how good Chris Paul was, who had 19 points and nine assists. And they still were down by 20. They still couldn't make that ground up. And it was because Devin Booker was three of fourteen, had ten points. Even like even Jay Crowder, like Jay Crowder had eighteen points on seven shots because he made six of seven from three. Like the Suns still had a lot of great things going for them, but the margin for the Bucks was twenty points. And there's a lot to talk about there. But the ultimate reason is Jay Crowder was the only one to really hit threes. On the Sun side of things, they shot 29% as a team, 9 of 31. Uh, Jay Crowder shot 6 of 7 by himself, so the rest of the team shot 3 of 24. That is not a good sign. It's also probably not repeatable. It's also something that the Bucks are going to have to face going forward. Unless their defense is just magically really good, and maybe this is the difference between being home and away. But I don't think so. Devin Booker is going to have a bounce back game. He was being defended by P.J. Tucker for most of this game. Drew Holiday spent almost all of his time on Chris Paul. And Chris Paul was still great. But yeah, Devin Booker defended by P.J. Tucker for a lot of it. Got to give P.J. Tucker a lot of credit. He is a guy who is never going to complain about his role. Uh, he's never going to give less than 100% effort as long as he's in a winning situation. And it really does stand out on a team like the Bucks, where they lose Dante DiVincenzo, their starting shooting guard. And they bring in PJ Tucker in the middle of the season. He wasn't, pro he probably wasn't expecting to play and start for this team, but he is. And he's been a big, big piece of it for much of the playoffs in place of the Bucks injured starting shooting guard. He really was starting and defending the opposing team's shooting guard at whatever his age is. He's like 36. And he was being the small ball center for the Houston Rockets just last year. It's very impressive what he's been able to do. His versatility on the defensive end, 
really does stand out. Um, he would have been an interesting addition for the Nuggets. I know that they kicked the tires on him, but he found a really good spot for him. And I think the Nuggets are probably hoping like a guy like Zeke Naji could do that, could do what PJ Tucker's doing. Zeke Naji is always is he's clearly a different size, and he probably wouldn't be able to guard twos or ones. But Zeke Naji has the mobility, he has the athleticism, he has the willingness. And he's just going to be mostly a spot-up guy who can hustle a bit. It's kind of the role that I envision for Zeke Naji next year. But yeah, this Suns-Bucks game, it's just very interesting to see the different pieces that step up. Uh, Drew Holiday was the guy who stepped up for the Bucks this time around. Had 21 points on 14 shots. Uh, beyond Giannis is 41-13-6. and six. Like... Let's actually let's actually stick on Giannis here for a little bit. There are so many superstar talents in the NBA. I could throw a rock like across the country and on the way hit a superstar in the NBA right now. You've got one in Denver here, of course. You've got a couple in LA with LeBron and Kawhi. You've got Dallas and Luka. Portland and Dame. You've got the the Brooklyn guys, Kevin Durant and James Harden. You've got Joel Embiid. You've also got Giannis, who for some reason kind of gets forgotten in a lot of these conversations, despite the fact that he is a two-time MVP, that he's proven to be one of the most consistent players in the NBA from a productivity and defensive standpoint. He's always been this guy. And like it, it just really stands out that he is going to be one of the foundational players for the NBA for the next five, seven years, maybe longer than that. Uh, and he has the Milwaukee franchise in really good hands right now. You want to see a guy like that rewarded for the commitment that he made to the franchise. For as much talent as he clearly has, that gets undersold. 41, 13, and 6 in a finals game. It does help that he does have some teammates that can take the pressure off. Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton made a combined eight threes. Brooke Lopez, he'll deal with the opposing team's center. PJ Tucker, he'll deal with. Devin Booker if you want him, Chris Paul if you want him, Kevin Durant if you want him. The Bucks have done a pretty good job, a better job than most people give them credit for, of surrounding Giannis with the right supporting cast. They definitely don't get enough credit for that in my opinion. Now it's taken some big leaps, it's taken some guys to step up here or there. Bryn Forbes was that guy a couple times. Pat Conton was the guy tonight. Thought he played really, really well. Bobby Portis stepped up last round. And DiVincenzo stepped up previously when he was healthy. But Giannis will always be the guy. He's not a he's not a secondary guy. He's not a Robin. He is a Batman. He's just a different breed of superstar. 
than what the powers that be believe a Batman should be. He's not going to be a significant ball-handling playmaker. He's not going to be a shooter off the dribble to the degree of some of these other guys. He doesn't do it in the traditional way. Not in the Kobe way. Not in the LeBron way, even. But it's very clear that he does it in the way that Shaquille O'Neal does. And Shaq did receive some of these criticisms, too. Despite the fact that he won three titles in a row and three finals MVPs in a row. And it was clear that he was the best player. Very clear. So, as we change eras, as we continue to figure out who the next face of the NBA is going to be, I've talked about it being international. I really do think that the, at least the three pillars, and if you want to add Joel Embiid in there, sure. The main three pillars are going to be Luka, Jokic, and Giannis. And I think Giannis just continues to provide a lot of evidence for that. And he does it in his own unique way. Does it just as much on the defensive end as he does on the offensive end. Is a force. Is a physical, dominating, just relentless human being. But also clearly very kind, honest, and just a great soul. And you love to have players like that to become the face of the NBA. And the fact that he's foreign, the fact that Jokic and Luka are foreign, shouldn't play a part in that. So, can the Bucks make up the difference in this series? I still think that they're at a disadvantage. I still think that the Suns are probably going to win the series. But the three predictions that I had before any of these games were played are as follows. The Suns go up early, and they win two of the first three games as Giannis returns from injury. It's pretty clear that Giannis is fully back. He's had a couple uh, he a couple times over the course of this past where he sits out at random intervals. But most of the time, it appears that he's pretty good, despite that very scary hyperextended knee. But the first prediction that I had was that the Suns would go up 2-1. And I thought that they would go up in Game 3 from a 1-1 to 2-1. But turns out it's the Bucks who are going from 2-0 to 2-1. Number 2. Giannis and Middleton turn things around and flip it to 3-2. The Bucks have clearly found something here. Enough that, hey, a 20-point margin. They still could have played better. They definitely still could have. Like, Brooke Lopez played 21 minutes. It was just meh. Drew Holiday had a really good game. But it was only 21 points on 14 shots. It wasn't like... It wasn't anything crazy that he couldn't repeat. And he didn't get to the line at all. So there are ways for him to recreate that. And then Chris Middleton, 18 points on 14 shots. I think it's very reasonable to say that he could recreate that as well. So, with that in mind, I think the Bucks can get back to this number, or at least pretty close to it, at 120. Maybe they get it to 110, 115. Can the Suns flip that around? And can they go from 100 to 115? I think they can, 
but this was the Jay Crowder game where he scored 18 points on six threes. DeAndre Ayton went 8 of 11. Chris Paul went 8 of 14. Is Devin Booker going to right the ship? Can he right the ship? I assume he can, but will he? Because he had a terrible game. And he's got P.J. Tucker on him for most of the time. So, if he can't take advantage of P.J. Tucker, I think that the Bucks could really flip this thing. Because I just don't see the Suns stopping Giannis. They're going to have various things that they can do to adjust their game plan. But there's only so much that you could adjust for a player like Giannis who is that physically dominant. As dominant as Aiton is, Giannis is at another level than that. And then Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton are still coming into their own. They can still figure this out. Much better at home than they are on the road. It'll be interesting to see what happens to them in Game 5, because there will be a Game 5 now in Phoenix, guaranteed. That will be the big decider, in my opinion, because I do think that the Bucks are going to win again in Game 4. But we'll see. We'll see what ultimately happens. Tell you what, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to bounce around the Olympic storylines a little bit. Talk about what's been happening to the Nuggets-related guys. We'll be right back. We're back, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's do a little bit of an Olympic update here because it sort of caught me off guard that the Olympics are going to be happening like July 28th to August 13th or so. I think that's the that's the time frame that they're at. This podcast is going up on July 12th. So like this is a this is not that far away when these games are going to start being played. For Team USA, uh, Argentina with Faco Campazzo, Slovenia with Vlako Chanchar, there's going to be a lot of interesting storylines for some of the Nuggets role players. And uh, I'm almost, and Serbian listeners look away, I'm almost thankful that uh, Serbia lost to Italy in their qualifying tournament because like, they, they would have won with Nikola Jokic playing, don't get me wrong. But they're not going to go to the Olympics now. We don't have to think about, oh man, if Serbia were to get a bronze medal, what would they have done with Jokic out there? We don't have to hear that. And I think that's probably healthiest for everybody. Uh, everybody could use a break, Nikola Jokic specifically, but also selfishly me. Like I, I don't want to have to continue to cape for the guy in this particular scenario. Like I understand why other people are playing. I understand why Serbians want him to play. I also just could see it in his eyes and see it in his body language that dude was tired. And it's hard to it's hard to keep that up all year. Let's talk about the Olympics. Let's talk about what's been going on. Uh, Team USA, they had their first scrimmage uh, of the Olympic session, and they lost. They lost with a lineup that features uh, Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, and Bam Adebayo. 
you can make a realistic place that all five of those players are in the top 20 in the NBA today. Five top 20 players. You can make a realistic case that Kevin Durant is the best player in the NBA, which is insanity. Like, and that team lost to Team Nigeria, who they have some good pieces, but the leading scorer on Team Nigeria was Gabe Vincent, who plays for the Miami Heat right now. Keziak Paul is on that team. Uh, Precious, Precious Achu was on that team, who I wanted in the draft this past year, but it's it's actually kind of funny that Miami has so many of those players. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how Denver handles themselves. Or not Denver, excuse me. Sorry, I got distracted by that text. Um, Nigeria wins 90 to 87. And Team USA, they, they looked pretty isolation heavy during that time, especially in the second half, especially as things got close. And Team Nigeria just shot the lights out. And it really just goes to show that in a single elimination format, after assumably Team USA wins their pool or comes out of their pool, then there is a strong possibility that Team USA could be eliminated at any given time. Any given time by just a team that is hot shooting. So. One of the players on Team Nigeria that helped them overcome the Team USA was Caleb Agata, who is going to be playing Summer League for the Nuggets this year. And so I heard that I had actually seen a tweet like, like that go around from a guy uh, at Sportando, uh, which is the international uh, basketball, uh, basically mogul for all basketball news. But Agata is a guy who I I had not heard of before. He was eligible for the 2016 draft and had clearly went abroad after not going drafted and was trying to figure out his best way into the league. And he found his way into the Israeli league this past year and at 6'5", 205 pounds-ish, he looked pretty good. He was the best player on that team. He was very, very productive. And while the Israeli league isn't the best league, uh, it's not the worst league either. Like, it's pretty impressive to hear what he has, to hear some of the numbers that he put up. Nearly 23 points per game, six rebounds, four assists, and 2.4 steals per game in about 28 minutes played. That's a very productive player. And he shot decently from the free throw line, shot a decent percentage from three, not a super efficient percentage, but taking a lot of off-the-dribble shots and things like that. He shot three of three in the scrimmage against Team USA, against the best players that the USA could offer. So, stands to reason, maybe he's got something. It's a good thing that the Nuggets are giving him a look. And something that I noticed when I looked up, looked him up and tried to figure stuff out, Adam Pensack, who is the agent for Zeke Naji, who also had eligibility for Team Nigeria, uh, he is also the agent for Caleb Agata. So, it stands to reason, maybe this is just an agent favor. Maybe this is just, hey, I, I have another client here who's looking to break into the league. Uh, would you be willing to give him a, a couple showcase games or so? Maybe that's the case. I happen to like his talent. He's pretty athletic. He's got a, got some good burst. He's strong. 
Six foot five, as I said, good size for a combo guard. Probably the right size for a shooting guard, but maybe just a little bit undersized, but like not by a lot. Like he'd he'd be perfectly fine in most scenarios. So I could see it working out for him. Whether he gets a full time deal or if he's on a two way or whatnot, like that that probably that's something you cross that bridge when you come to it. But if he shows up well, if the Nuggets like him, maybe he's a guy that they use one of their last roster spots for. Whether it's a full contract, whether it's a two way. We'll just have to just have to play that by ear. I'm looking forward to watching him. Other news and notes. Uh, Serbia lost to Italy in their qualifying tournament, as I said. Uh, Italy is going to go. Uh, Gallo wasn't a part of that initial one, but I think he's going to be on the roster, if I'm not mistaken. So it'll be fun to watch him. Uh, Argentina is already there, and Facu Campazzo is playing. Uh, they had a scrimmage against Australia. Uh, just recently, and they lost at the buzzer, uh, a Patty Mills three-pointer, which Patty Mills just turns into Steph Curry when he's playing an international ball, when he's playing for Australia. So they're going to be a very interesting team to watch, as always. Uh, they still have a lot of talent, a lot of NBA talent. Uh, Matisse Teibel is going to be playing for Team Australia. Uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez, though, he won't compete for Spain. Uh, he sustained an injury against uh, or in against the whoever they were playing in their scrimmage over this past week. Separated his left shoulder. Pretty sad. Uh, he's not going to be able to compete. He does really well with international competition, and he gets a featured role, which is always nice to see from a guy like Wancho. Uh, I wish that we could watch him, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Uh, it's too bad. Always have a soft spot for Wancho, given what he did in Denver. Okay. I'm not super well-versed in all of these teams. Uh, I'm just going to talk about the teams that I think have a decent chance to win of the 12. Actually, let me just list the 12 here. There are going to be three groups of four, 12 total teams. Group A is going to be Iran, Team USA, France, and the Czech Republic. Group B is going to be Australia, Italy, Germany, and Nigeria. Group C will be Argentina, Japan, who's the host city, of course, in Tokyo, Spain, and Slovenia. Uh, I didn't mention that Vlako Chanchar and, and Luka Doncic were dominating for Slovenia when they beat Lithuania to qualify uh, over this past week. So, a lot of interesting pieces just kind of bouncing around in this 12-team field. I still think that USA is going to be the favorite and probably should be. Uh, Kevin Durant, still the best player in the world. Very, very good. Uh, he is going to be the leader of that team. Damian Lillard will also lead. So, when you have both of those guys with the confidence that they play with, with how many experiences that they've had, uh, Durant and Lillard have Olympic experience, if I'm not mistaken. So there's going to be like, like, and I think uh, if it's not, oh no, uh, it was the World Cup a few years ago, and Lillard said no to that, if I'm not mistaken. But like, it's yeah, we'll we'll just we'll just have to see how this goes. I do think that Lillard has experience. He's done this before. He knows how this thing goes. 
And they're going to rely on him. And Jason Tatum is on that team. He's very talented. Bam is on that team. Very talented. Bradley Beal. Uh, they've got a variety of other players that going to be very good. And uh, like Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Devin Booker after the NBA Finals should join them to represent Team USA. So a lot of talent, of course. We'll see how it goes. But who else can win? Who else has a really good case from each group? I think France, in the Team USA bracket, wouldn't surprise me if they had a really good shot. Um, Rudy Gobert will definitely anchor that group, and there are a lot of French players around the NBA, including Evan Fournier, who are very, very talented. Uh, The youngest Frenchman who is drawing the eyes of the entire NBA right now just finished up the U19 championships. Victor Wembanyama, Wembanyama. I'm going to have trouble with that one. Uh but I'm just going to call him Victor for now. He's 7 foot 3. He's skinny, but he's like Rudy Gobert on the defensive end and he shoots threes on the offensive end. He is an incredible prospect. And like it's not like Kristaps Porzingis, like he is a mobile unicorn. He is very very good and very very athletic. So as long as he can retain that athleticism and have some ball skills, it's going to be very interesting to watch him. Group B, they are very strong as well. Australia and Italy are probably the favorites there. Uh, Australia just has a, a breadth of NBA talent, as do the NBA, as do uh, Italy. Gallinari will be the leader over there, but also they've they've just got so many different players over there that play domestically that are going to be very, very talented and very, very good. Nico Mannion is also there, who is on the Golden State Warriors. And then in Group C, Spain is going to be the favorite, I think, even with Wancho out, which is too bad, of course, but uh, Spain, they still have plenty of talent. Uh, but look out for Slovenia. That is that is the sleeper of the tournament, given how talented Luca is. And how they play well together, and how Vlaco just showed that he has the capability to hit five, six threes in a game. Like maybe they've got something. Maybe they can figure it out. I, I doubt that anybody on Team USA can guard Luca. I doubt that anybody really can guard Luca. So it's gonna be interesting to see how far he can get just by being the guy. So we'll see what happens and I'll continue updating everybody as things get closer. This just seemed a good time to talk about the Olympics in general. Uh, But yeah, we're going to talk about that as things get closer. Maybe do some breakdowns of some games. Though that is going to happen smack dab during the NBA draft and during free agency. So I'm not sure how much I'm going to be able to cover it. Uh, I'm going to be stretched thin, to be clear. So we're going to figure it out. But I'm interested. And if anybody else is interested, hit me up and we can talk about it. Should be fun. Let's take a break. When we talk, when we when we come back, we are going to talk about the Nuggets offseason timeline. I'm going to share just the important dates that Nuggets fans need to know. We'll be right back.
right, we're back. Pickaxe and roll final segment. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, let's go over the Nuggets offseason timeline, and I want to talk about this right now. I've done mailbags. I've brought on guests. I've talked specifically about the draft, about free agency, about the Nuggets' decision-making. Uh, this is going to be more expository. This is going to be more information-based. Uh, I'm not going to put as much narration here just because I think everybody's everybody knows that they're going to get it from me. Like I will definitely share my thoughts on this uh, no matter what. It's going to be fascinating to see what Denver decides to do. And because I think the timing of everything could really change how they approach this entire offseason. Uh, but the first thing that people should know, pre-draft workouts are going to happen starting tomorrow. Uh, today, when you're listening to this podcast. And the main guys that we get to talk about here are all guards. Uh, actually, everybody that Denver is bringing in tomorrow is going to be a guard. Uh, they're going to be the three main guys are going to be available on Zoom. Uh, they are Josh Christopher, Quentin Grimes, and Jason Preston. I've done some preliminary homework on each of them uh, just to sort of know and to sort of figure out what everybody's going to be talking about and what, what the primary strengths, weaknesses, storylines are going to be surrounding these guys. And uh, just basically know that Denver is scouring for options at the 26th pick, but also options for uh, potentially somebody like a trade down or somebody like a, a an undrafted guy. They're going to have all of those options on the table as they normally do at the NBA draft time. And like I think no Nuggets fan really thought that the Nuggets were going to trade right back into the draft in the 20s last year. After they selected Zeke Naji, they only had the 22nd pick, and then they manifested another pick because that's just what they do. Uh, that may be less easy this year, but depending on what they do with that pick, there's going to be a lot of different possibilities. Um, so we're going to see. We're going to see how they handle it. We'll have more information on Josh Christopher, Quentin Grimes, Jason Preston going forward. Just, just know, like I like Quentin Grimes the most of all of them. Uh, Josh Christopher is also very talented, though he's a guy that I wouldn't necessarily commit to. And then Jason Preston is an interesting piece as well. Uh, he's very productive at Ohio as a um, as a guard. Kind of plays like Lamelo Ball in a lot of ways. Uh, so maybe that's a guy that Denver takes a flyer on. You never know. But this podcast is, or this segment is about timelines, so we're going to talk about that. Will Barton. The next thing that we have to talk about is his player option. Uh, I've mentioned this in the past a lot. July 17th is the day when he has to decide whether he's going to take that $14.6 million player option or not. Uh, Mike Singer caught up with him over the weekend at the Celebrity All-Star Game, and he said to him, anything is possible in quotation. Another quote, I can't rule out anything. Right situation presents itself. Who knows? Just got to do what's best for me. Uh, that's a direct quote from Mike Singer's article. Make sure to go check that one out. Um, Will is trying to find the security of a long-term contract while also being happy and playing a starting role. That could absolutely happen for him, and it could happen for him in Denver. Uh, the Nuggets might balk at that option. They might decide, hey, we don't know if we want to commit long-term, 
They might decide, we don't know if we have the money to pay you, or we might be concerned about your long-term health, which I think is a fair assessment after the last three seasons. So this could go a number of ways, but I think given Jamal Murray's uh, injury right now and what the Nuggets have to do to survive at the beginning of the season and maybe even in the middle and towards the end, my guess is that Will is gone. But he might be back. Like he, he might legitimately be back. Singer said he was uh, hearing extension, and it wouldn't surprise me if, by opting into that player option, he also opted into a three-year, forty-five million dollar deal, uh, turning that fourteen point six million dollar option into the basis of a three-year, forty-five million dollar contract, something like that. Something that pays him about that money for the, for the next three seasons. It's not so long-term that Denver can't get off the deal going forward, but they keep him around and they keep the status quo given that they're not going to have Jamal. So I don't know if he's going to go for that. I don't know if that's what he's interested in, but I think that that particular deal would make sense for both sides. Maybe he wants more money and maybe Denver's willing to do that. Maybe he wants more years and Denver's willing to do that. Or he might decide to go somewhere else. The writing is on the wall that when Murray comes back, Porter's probably going to be a 25-point-per-game guy at that point. So if Jokic is the MVP, Porter scoring 25, and then Murray comes back, Barton may think, man, do I want to be the fourth or fifth wheel consistently when they're also going to be drafting players behind him when Monte Morris and P.J. Dozier are still there? Faku's still there. Like, he may not feel like he's in the best situation to continue to grow. And that's very understandable. So, we'll see what he decides to do. As I said, my best guess is that he's gone. But, again, it wouldn't surprise me if he comes back. July 26th is the next day. Jamichael Green, $7.6 million player option. Won't spend too much time on this one. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I think they're probably going to just bring him back, whether that means player option and and he just opts in, whether that means he opts out and they find a a long-term deal or something that's more long-term than one year. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me. They'll try to figure that out. I kind of consider Zeke Najee to be a younger Jermichael Green type for Denver or what I consider the ideal role for Jermichael Green to be. Somebody who plays the four, but also slides to the backup five. So if they want Zeke Naji to grow into that role, I don't know if it makes sense to pay Jermichael Green to start in that role, to, to be in that role for potentially blocking Zeke Naji from being able to grow. But I might be thinking about that the wrong way. We'll just have to see what happens. I think that both sides are committed to trying to come back together. And we will see what the figures are, but I think that Green will be back. July 29th is the NBA draft. As we've mentioned, they only have the 26th overall pick, but that could change. Uh, Whether it's drafting one of the guys that they bring in for a pre-draft workout, whether it's adding college free agents, there will be news of people that they add on July 29th. Because I doubt that they're going to go away from just adding cheap young talent. That's something that they're going to have to do financially. So we'll see. 
And then four days after that, you've got July 30th, July 31st, August 1st, and August 2nd. Four days after that is Monday, August 2nd, and that is the start of free agency. All the Nuggets free agents are as follows. Will Barton on his player option. Jermichael Green on his player option. Paul Millsap, undrafted, or uh, unrestricted. JaVale McGee is unrestricted. Austin Rivers is unrestricted. Marcus Howard is on a two-way. And Shaq Harrison is on a two-way. That's seven guys. So that leaves 10 that are currently on the roster, that are currently sticking around. Uh, But that also doesn't include some of the guarantee dates that we're going to talk about later. August 3rd, Vlako Chanchar, his $1.8 million salary is guaranteed. So Denver has to decide what to do with Vlako before then. I had previously said that it was earlier. I was thinking of Will Barton. I was wrong. Uh, PJ Dozier, 200000 of his $1.9 million guarantee is August 16th. So that's two weeks into free agency. Denver should absolutely take that. There is zero reason not to. Um, and even if they trade PJ, then they still have to guarantee his money before they do so. Um, like they can't just trade his non-guaranteed salary and then have somebody cut him. Like they'd have to guarantee it anyway. So my guess is that's going to get an automatic guarantee. Vlaco, after thinking about it, can Denver do better than somebody like Vlaco for $1.8 million? I doubt it. Denver probably needs somebody at a different position, but I think that probably involves losing some of their other guys, like uh, one of Millsap or Green, and then maybe Bull Bull. We'll see. But yeah, assuming that Vlaco and PJ are guaranteed, and then Denver drafts somebody, Denver will have 11 players on the roster, four guaranteed roster spots available, and two two-way roster spots available as well. So they'll have six spots to fill after Vlaco, PJ, and a first-round pick are also added to the mix. So there's not a ton of wiggle room there. You have to assume that whoever they add on the two-way contracts is not going to be somebody big. So they have basically four roster spots that they can play around with. They could choose to add back Will Barton and Jermichael Green. They could choose to bring back Austin Rivers. They could choose to bring back JaVale McGee. They could choose to elevate Marcus Howard or Shaq Harrison. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. And we'll talk soon about the logistics of bringing back each of those players, what it's going to look like, as I've talked about before uh, with Jake Coyne back a couple of weeks ago. So make sure to check out that episode if you're looking for logistics, especially on the forwards. Uh, I'm going to have more episodes out that are going to be breaking down more free agency stuff, but this was more information-based. This was to get people prepared, help them understand what is going on. Free agency is coming up quickly. It's about three weeks away. I think it's three weeks away from July 12th, which is when you're probably listening to this podcast. So keep that in mind when you're thinking about what Denver has to do. They've got to do it fast, and things are going to change really quick. Remember when we thought that Jeremy Grant would be coming back last year? And that didn't happen. 
And when it didn't happen, Denver basically had to figure out a, a variety of different moves that they had to make. They brought in seven new pieces, including Jermichael Green. Brought back Paul Millsap when they didn't expect to. They were forced to trade Gary Harris and RJ Hampton for Aaron Gordon because Jeremy Grant didn't come back. There's a lot to think about, and there's a lot to prepare for, and I'm going to keep everybody prepared on this pod. Not going to lose focus like we did last time. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Pickaxe and Roll presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Uh, Really appreciate all the love and support. We are continuing our draft coverage over at Denver Stiffs. Make sure to check all of that out, including a big board that is being released by our moderator, Reed Howard, who I got to give a special shout out. Doing a lot of great work, doing a lot of great draft work. So give Reed some love over there for his work that he's doing. Been a lot of fun working with him, been a lot of fun working with the Denver Stiff staff on this. So going to have a lot of fun. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Wednesday.